What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Super League is back. 20 weeks removed from the suspension of the season, the action gets back underway with an exciting double header at Headingley. Steamrolling St. Helens leave the Dragons on their knees, well, most of them at least, while the resurgent Rhinos go top with the mother of all comebacks against the Giants. John Davidson joins me, Paul Bennett, to discuss all the big issues from the weekend, as well as reflecting on another intriguing round in the NRL. Right, Super League is back, John. Back and uh, very quiet at Headingley. Well, quietish, shall we say. Yeah, what was that like? Because obviously watching at home while still being on furlough, it, it was not too different to the usual experience. Obviously, they, they did their best to sort of cover the stands up as much as they could. Obviously, not quite the same without real supporters there, but you did get the noise of the artificial crowd, which albeit probably not as good as the football one, sort of did its job, I mean, you know, into filling the gaps. Um, in the stadium, what was it like? Uh, yeah, it was weird. It was strange. It was odd, as you'd probably expect. And we didn't get the fake crowd noise in the stadium. Um, and obviously there was, you know, some media, but not not a, a standful. So, yeah, it, was, it, it felt like a bit of a posed training run at times um you know i'm sure the players were were ripping in giving it all but um yeah it was it was strange i guess um and you could hear the the, the sky commentary um particularly terry ranting and raving um at massive volumes throughout the game so that was also a different uh, element so yeah it's interesting you say that about the intensity of the game and feeling a bit more like a training room because it didn't feel like that at home, watching at home, so I, I mean that really underlines the sort of the impact that the atmosphere of supporters has on the product. Yeah, I think I think I think they can, you know, TV companies can package it in a certain way, and you perhaps don't, you know, it, it, it is a different experience, isn't it, sitting at home and watching on TV as opposed to being in the game and without fans, without the noise. You know, you can hear the contact. You can hear players talking on the the pitch. Um, particularly Ash Hamley when he got sent in, we we all know what he said. Um, 
yeah, so it was a it was an unusual experience having been to Headingley many times and you know used to the sort of the sights and the sounds and the smells. So yeah, I guess it's the new norm that we uh, have to get used to. What did Ash Hanley say? Can you say on this show? Is it repeatable? Uh, I think he said "fudge off" um, or something along those uh, lines. In in terms of the protocols around the media, like give us an insight into what that was like. Um, well, basically, we you know were were set into a car park you had to have your mask on you got your temperature checked on entry um and the stadium was you know kind of a bit of a ghost town everything obviously no no food stalls or anything that the toilets were open which was good um but no pretty much uh media room um and obviously you know extra desks set up well spaced out um and you know everyone was mostly trying to keep uh away from each other. I think the award for best mask goes to Gary Carter, who looked like um, Chevy Chase in Mr. Invisible uh, with his makeshift hood or maybe some sort of thief. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's I guess it's just a different, a different experience. And, obviously, kind of the whole day was, I won't say uh, hijacked, but perhaps overshadowed by the uh, Israel Palau um, non-kneeling a kickoff, so that kind of changed the the tempo straight away early on. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time speaking about Israel Folau because um, probably doesn't deserve it. Um, but obviously, there's been quite a bit of argument on uh, social media, which you'll be aware of, not just about the issue of whether he should be criticised or not for doing what he did, but more the coverage that it's got. Um, I I thought obviously it's it's a story, right? Oh yeah, I mean, people complaining about the coverage that you get don't obviously understand the media or how the news cycle works. Um, you know, uh, I think if you look at football, um, you know, when the the players took a knee in Premier League football, if you know, say Marcus Rashford or someone similar didn't kneel, and that would have been a story. And obviously, the the uh, banner that flew over Burnley of um, I think it was it All Lives Matter or White Lives Matter um, that got massive coverage. So. Um, to complain about the media covering it is just, well, in my eyes, is just stupid. 51 players took the knee. He didn't. Um, there was obviously Black Lives Matter signage around the stadium. There was a very powerful video, which I'm sure you saw and I, I saw later on with Jordan Turner and um, uh, Michael Lawrence and Ash Golding from Huddersfield all talking about their experiences, you know, with you know facing racism and their experiences in rugby league and that was very powerful stuff and obviously they had Martin Fire um, on the panel um, you know uh, talking about the issue and and you know racism that he faced in his career so I don't think you could really ignore it I don't think any journalist who did ignore it would, wouldn't have been doing their job properly hmm. um, and I didn't obviously in my report I didn't criticise him for not taking it it was just pointed out that he was the only one and obviously he's got a history of controversy with his beliefs um, and or actions. Steve McNamara was asked by Jenna Brooks at full time whether he knew the reason for, for why Israel Falab didn't take the knee. Um, he was very vague, just put it down basically to personal choice, didn't really have an explanation. Did he shed any more light in the, the post-match press conference or did you glean anything from any of the Catalans officials or anybody else? No, he said exactly the same same line that he, uh, like it was almost rehearsed, uh, that he used to uh, on Sky with the post-match press conference. And he said, obviously, some players and staff, obviously, I mean, it, there's only 13 players on the field, but the only one from Calans who didn't was, was Falau. And, I mean, whether staff or 
not took the knee is kind of irrelevant because they're not on the pitch. But uh, it, it is his personal choice. And, yeah, I guess they, he exercised it. Mm. Uh, were we given any opportunity to get an explanation from him personally? No, I mean, I think, as, as Sky mentioned, he doesn't really do interviews. And, and Catalans are perhaps not the most uh, accessible club when it comes to media. And they weren't offering him up, that's for sure. And I don't think he's really done any interviews since he joined Super League in January, really. Hmm. I imagine that's probably for the best, to be fair, on the whole. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, probably some people, if, if he explained, you know, that, that he only kneels to God, maybe, um, you know, that, that might be an acceptable uh, explanation to some people. Maybe not. Um, yeah, it was obviously a curious, a curious sight, um, and it did, you know, overshadow the... The rest of the day. Anyway, moving on to the action. Before we get into the real specifics of the results, obviously a few changes, real changes that we've seen in the NRL, like the six again rule, um, the removal of scrums, which obviously hasn't been the case in the NRL. The sc- on the scrums, I didn't miss them at all. I mean, I, I didn't really notice until I <laughs> remembered. Hang on, actually, yeah, the scrum. There aren't scrums anymore. Uh, it didn't seem to affect the product too much for me. I thought it was probably better, a bit quicker. Uh, is is the scrum dead, John? Um. It's hard to say. I mean, I didn't really necessarily notice them gone, but I don't really think there was necessarily a need to get rid of them. I mean, the argument that the coronavirus will be spread more through scrums when you've got four or five people, you know, in a in a tight bind when they're tackling kind of is a bit laughable for me. So I don't really think we need to get rid of them. Um, but on the same token, it, it didn't necessarily seem like they were missed either. Um, but, I mean, I think... The scrum is one of the few chances where you've only got limited players um, in an attacking scenario. So, you know, I think as we saw in the grand final last year when Saints used a, a, a trick play from a scrum to score a try, you know, they can actually be used for, for some great attacking play at times. So, yeah. Uh, the six again rule, how did that feel being there in person? Um, well, it's got a very annoying uh, horn or siren. Uh, what is activated, and and to be honest, it, it still seems very arbitrary when it's called and why it's called. Um, I, I noticed a few instances where I thought they probably should have called one, and they didn't. Um, and it did, it did seem to even up though for both teams. There wasn't uh, a glaring sort of count. Um, yeah, so I think I think it was okay. Okay, let's um, get on to the actual proper nuts and bolts of the action, and let's start with the big ding dong battle of the weekend, and no. That's not Jamie Foster versus Zach Hardacre on Twitter. It's Huddersfield Giants versus Leeds Rhinos. Um, Leeds found themselves 26-6 down and a man down with 15 minutes to play uh, and then ended up winning in Golden Point extra time, 27-26. Luke Gale's 84th minute drop goal deciding the game. We're a few hours removed now, John. What on earth happened? Huddersfield imploded, basically. Um, <laughs> it was quite a remarkable scenario um conceding four tries in 11 12 13 minutes whatever it was um it was almost brisbane broncos-esque or worse than the brisbane broncos um yeah huddersfield just sort of threw in the towel and, and thought they'd won the game and gave up and um yeah very gutting experience for the for the giants i imagine they played so well and um put in so much effort in into 65 minutes and then to to lose in golden point uh, which we all love, um, is, yeah, very, very tough to take. They really were dominant for that 65 minutes, weren't they? 
Hatchwick, of course, for Darnell McIntosh, two for Lewis Senior. Just in general play, they they seemed the much quicker, stronger. Uh, the team that was that was more up to speed after the lockdown break. Um, Lee Gaskell played really well, although apparently that's controversial on Twitter. Um, the, Ash Golding on his debut against his old club was really impressive. And then just something happened. And I, it's strange, I guess, that the, the, the trigger was Ash Hanley being sin-binned, as we mentioned. Louis Senior then scores 26-6, you think game over. And then just, it's it's unexplainable. I'm, I'm struggling to explain it. A lot of people have, have mentioned the six-again rule and how momentum can change. I don't think that quite explains how Huddersfield completely switched off there. No, no, not at all. I mean, when, you, when you're 26-6 up with 30 minutes to go, 99 times out of 100, you win that game. Um, and, yeah, uh, there was... There's probably some some soft tries. I think Gale's try was probably a soft one, and and obviously Huddersfield had a chance to win it and go on point. Um, I think actually they had probably the chance just before as well. But some of the service out of Dummy after eight season wasn't great. The passes were sort of up above his shoulder, or you know that little half a second allows the defenders to to get down and close down his space. So yeah, they they really um I think they were the architects of their own demise because the fact that Leeds had twelve men. And scored, um, you know, four tries in that period is just that's shocking, really. It's it's scandalous. Leeds were sort of forced into playing expansively, weren't they? At the end, and we've seen all season their ability to do that. Um, was it a case of the Giants tiring, or was it the the Leeds being backed into a corner, having to go to that plan that just fits them and the way that they play, the the players that they have, and and perhaps goes against what the, what the Giants do. I think I think the Giants were tired, and obviously that's to be understandable. They haven't played a game for nearly five months, um, but I thought you know I think mentally you, you can switch off when you've when you've essentially got the game in the bag, and you know the other team gets a player sim in even more so. You think all right, well we just have to you know make a few tackles, and you know we can't lose this game, and that's obviously a dangerous scenario to to be in, and it certainly proved it. Um, yeah, Leeds Leeds really uh got out of jail and Luke Gale as we as we know from a couple of years ago, he can he can now a field goal under pressure and he, he certainly did that. It was a lovely strike. Many members of the Cowbell Army upset about the Alex Meller try. Uh obviously playing against his old club. He seemed at first to be held up by Ash Golding. Uh Rob Hicks did deem that he got the ball down eventually. Uh that was controversial in the post match press conference as well, wasn't it? With Simon Wolford unhappy. That Hicks hadn't gone to the video referee. I think I think you go to a, the video ref for that. It was a massive call. Um, it looked quite contentious. Um, I couldn't, you know, where, where I was from, where I was sitting, couldn't tell whether he got the ball down. No, I think you you definitely go to the video ref um, in that instance. So yeah, I was surprised that he didn't. The decision probably wouldn't have changed though, would it? Uh, I, I haven't seen the replay, so I, I couldn't I couldn't say. But yeah, quite possibly not. But I think. The, the video ref is there to kind of help the, the on-field referee. Um, so it's a very ballsy decision to kind of disregard that and just go, yep, it's a try. But that's what he did. And, you know, I don't think that's why Huddersfield lost the game. Um, you know, I don't think they can blame it on one decision. Was Simon Wolford okay? I was worried about him. You know, he, he didn't move for five <laughs> minutes at the, at the end of full time. Uh, was he all right? Well, yeah, I, I did see that footage. <laughs> he looks like he was sucking on a lemon. Um, 
yeah, he did well to kind of contain his anger that I'm sure that was boiling inside of him because he did throw uh, a coach's box uh, in, in Canberra and Queanbeyan and, um, many years ago when he was coaching in the Canberra League. So I think he's known for having a fiery somewhat temper, but he did well to, to contain it, I thought. If we're looking at the positives for the Giants, the obvious one, I guess, Dano McIntosh, a hat-trick, uh, having not scored since August the 11th last year. Uh, great for him to get on the board and do it in style to get three. And I guess his move to the wing facilitated by the uh, the return to fitness of Ash Golding making his first appearance. And they both did really well in those positions. Yeah, I thought they were outstanding. I thought Golding was, was brilliant, set up a couple of tries. Uh, and McIntosh, for me, you know, has never really been a fullback. I don't think that's his best position. I think wing is, and um, yeah, he looked uh, he looked very good on that flank. What did you make of Lee Gaskell? I mean, he he really seems to have come on an extra notch playing alongside Aiden Caesar. Yeah, he's he's been he was in good form before the break, and seems to have continued that. He's always been sort of one who's yo-yoed between um, Super League and the Championship. But um, definitely have found some form at, at Huddersfield this season, and. Um, yeah, looks looks comfortable alongside Caesar. Will the Giants be disappointed not to be playing next week? Now I imagine they, you know, in this case they want to get straight back on the horse, as the old cliche goes. They won't be able to do that because they were due to play Toronto next week. Uh, will that work against them? Yeah, I, th- I think they probably would like to um, get back and play as soon as possible and put that result right. Um, but obviously, if they're playing in Toronto, it'll be a fairly easy win. Um, so, yeah, uh, unfortunate, I guess, for them. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. Mm. What did you make of Oliver Wilson's hair? Big fan of that, personally. <laughs> uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leeds Rhinos, obviously, delighted to get the win. And they had a bit of luck pre-match as well. Right, well, I guess it depends on the definition of luck. Reese Martin playing the game despite being bitten by a dog the day earlier. Uh, Harry Newman also fine despite writing off his car. Uh, I mean, it sounded very much like it was the the softball episode of The Simpsons, John, where all the uh, Rhino stars were being taken out by unfortunate events. Uh, but everything. I told you to get rid of those sideburns. <laughs> but everything uh, ended happily for them. Um, Richard Agar, I mean, perplexed as the rest of us at full time. Uh, he told Sky's Jenna Brooks he'd uh, scribbled out his planned post-match speech from his notebook. Um, do you think that speech was just a succession of four-letter words before that comeback? What would he have got from that first sixty-five minutes? I don't think I don't think Richard Agar is a, a ranter or a raver. I think he's a pretty level-headed coach, and, and it doesn't go in for the hair-drying treatment that much. But yeah, he, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been happy. Um, but yeah, I mean they they did get out of jail, so you've got to look at that that positive. They stayed in the fight and managed to conjure up a pretty remarkable comeback. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I was delighted to note that both Richard Agar and Christian Wolf, the Saints coach, uh, used those same free uh, Betfred Super League notebooks that were given at the Super League launch. I mean, that's uh, it's it's nice, comforting that we're on the same level. We both enjoy freebies. <laughs> There's not many freebies get around these days, so you've got to cling on to the ones you have. <laughs> uh, mention of Christian Wolf and, of course, St. Helens, 34-6 winners over Catalan Dragons. And if Huddersfield Leeds was a game of, well, if not two halves, then of 65 minutes, then 15 minutes, this one was just Saints' dominance from the start, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think the first 20 minutes was 
was pretty tight and, and tense, um, you know, a bit of an arm wrestle, but one sort of Saints crossed, um, I think it was through Coop first up. Um, yeah, it, it was really one-way traffic and could have been a lot more um, in terms of tries throughout the 80 minutes. Um, yeah, very very one-sided game. Um, St Helens weren't looking particularly good before the break. I think they'd only won two of their five games. So, you know, it was a much-needed um victory for them and they'll be they'll be very happy with that yeah saints took the lead after 12 minutes through a lachlan coot penalty coot then scored his first try of the season four minutes later um at that point catalan's lost michael McAloran, which didn't help certainly but even with him they didn't really seem like they'd be in this game james bentley scored followed by zeb tyre to make it 16 nil at half-time. Uh, Coop got his second in the second half. Tommy Makinson also scoring his second try of the season. Probably should have had a third. Well, definitely should have had a third late on. Somehow messed one up. Uh, Alex Walmsley rounded it off. James Maloney scoring in between those two tries. Um, second half, Saints were just too powerful, weren't they, for Catalans? And I suppose in terms of six to go, which was mentioned in the post-match press conference, I believe, by Steve McNamara, is that a, that a rule that probably doesn't suit Catalans? I mean, they've got a checkered disciplinary uh, record, haven't they, in terms of giving away penalties? Yeah, they have, but you, you're probably right there. It probably doesn't suit them, and obviously they need to be a bit more disciplined around the ruck area, and I, I think it's going to be a learning curve for, for all teams this season. Um, you know, it's it's going to take a lot to, to get used to, and, and obviously without Sam Tompkins, one of their strike attacking weapons, I think he'd be someone who, you know, could prey on um, Tyrone defences, so they, they definitely missed him. Yeah, Tompkins suspended. Arthur Morg came in made him, making his third appearance uh, in his stead and did well. I made the joke on Twitter about the only Catalans player with any life in him being called Morg, so I'm going to repeat it here because it was a good joke. Uh, so he, he, was, he was basically the, the bright spot, wasn't he, for Catalans? Yeah, he, he he did well. Um, there wasn't really many bright spots, but I don't think yeah he he uh, he he did distinguish himself. I'd say he was pretty solid. If uh, you were doing the league weekly match report, if indeed league weekly was still going at the moment, uh, what mark out of ten would you have given to Sam Cassiano? Oh, I mean, I don't like to give out twos, but <laughs> but maybe a three. Um, yeah, I don't. To be honest, I'm struggling to even remember any impact he, he had on the game, and that's probably down to my own observational skills necessarily, not not uh, his own personal display. Well, he definitely made an impact on the game, John. Uh, he was his knock-on that led to James Bentley's try, uh, and then uh, he also made a, an error leading to Zeb Tyre's try. So some, uh, <laughs> some timely interventions there, just sadly not for his team. Uh, which which was better, Lachlan Coote's second try, that brilliant passing move, or Morgan Knowles? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He shot on uh, Remy Casting. 
Yeah, that was a beautiful shot, wasn't it? There was some there was some big hits um being dished out, which was great to see. But yeah, the the try was was sensational the way they kept the ball alive and you know, kept looking for support and and I thought Makinson's try, although the, the Catalan's defence looked like it had been on the beach uh drinking uh margaritas for a week. Um but he went through about six of them. So that was that was pretty uh Pretty slick as well. Yeah, I was going to mention that one, but yes, I, I suspect the defence has to take a considerable share in the spectacular nature <laughs> of that try. Uh, I, I counted at least seven defenders that he, he sidestepped somehow. Yeah, they they showed about as much resistance as um as they did on the Western Front in in nineteen thirty nine. I would say. Well, I mean, you can't say that about the Catalans. They fought to <laughs> well, the end. French, <laughs> That Technically, was, they're still in France. That was Vichy France, uh-huh. mate. Can't, I, can't, uh-huh. let, can't let that stand. Uh, Morgan Knowles' tackle described as visceral, eye-watering beauty by John Wells at half-time. Were you uh, as moved? Yeah, good, good turn of phrase, that. I'll, I'll agree. That, that's lovely. Yeah. Speaking of lovely hairstyles on the day, Carl Amor, blonde rinse. Did you enjoy that one? Uh, no, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. It's, it's not it's not uh, Liverpool in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> what about Robert it's Hicks? Boy. Robert Hicks and his hobo chic. <laughs> hobo chic, yeah, um, yeah, probably the less that's said about that, the better. Mm. Um, so on on a more serious note, I mean, Saints will be delighted, as you mentioned before lockdown. Uh, they not had the the greatest of runs, had they? They they'd lost back to back games. They'd had the two points. From the win over Toronto, obviously wiped out. This was a, a big win for them, wasn't it? In more ways than one. Yeah, I, I think it was. I mean, you know, Christian Wolf still very early in his tenure. Um, still got a bit of you know convincing, I think, to do. He's made a few changes to the team and the way they play. Um, there's a lot of expectation and pressure there. You know, they're the defending champions, so. I think Catalans have been pretty good. They only lost one game coming into this this year, so um, yeah, it was a, it was a fair test, and they definitely um, stood up. Uh, Saints, of course, helped by the return of Mark Percival after a five-match absence, and also uh, the return, the second debut of James Graham, starting in the absence of Matty Lee, and following the departure of Luke Thompson. How did he go? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think he was pretty solid. Um, yeah, put in a. A pretty good shift, and you know, threw himself about, and, and seemed quite happy to be back on these sunny shores. Nice offload as well, I guess, in the build-up to Coot's try, his first try, and um, that shows, you know, what he can do. We've all we've always seen his ball handling ability, and I suppose we'll we'll probably see the fruits of that more in Super League than the NRL. Yeah, possibly. I think he um, he did it quite a lot at Canterbury. Um, Des Asler pushed him into that to that role as a essentially a a half back in a in a props body. So um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. In, in Super League, there's probably a bit more chance to be expansive, and um, we shall see that. And what will probably be his swan song from the game? I know you were keen for um, Robert Hicks to have gone to uh, the video referee in the in the Huddersfield game on the James Bentley trying this one. I thought it was exactly the kind of try that would have been uh, referred to the video ref in the NRL. It was so I mean, it was so close, but Ben Thaler backed himself, gave the try, and uh, it was right as well. So for me, it was refreshing, actually, that the Super League refs seemed to have a bit more confidence in the decision. Were you, are you not down with that, John? Would you prefer to check just to make sure? Uh, 
Uh, I, I think if it's clear cut, then the confidence is fine. Um, probably the the point of the game and you know how how important the decision is. But I would say overall, having watched both competitions pretty regularly for a number of years, that the standard of refereeing in the NRL is is much better than in the Super League. Mm. Hey, well, would you disagree with that, Paul? I don't think you would. Uh, no, no. Um... Manly fans might disagree, although you are one, so... <laughs> no, well, that's why I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not agreeing with what maybe the standard Manly fan uh, uh, take. Um, so, looking at the uh, the league table after those two games at Headingley, Leeds Rhinos are now top. Puddersfield would have been top. Uh, instead, Leeds are top on points difference. Uh, they do have a game in hand as well on second place, Wigan. Who also have eight, Soda Cass and Huddersfield. Saints now have six points following their third win of the season or fourth win. If you want to count that that Toronto game, you'll be the only ones that do. Uh, Warrington and Catalans have six points. So the Hull, then come Wakefield on four. Salford and Hull KR on two points. Hull KR bottom of the 11 team league for now. Uh, round eight fixtures next week again at Head in Lee John. Uh, Castleford versus Catalans, 4 15 on Saturday. Warrington versus Hull KR follows that at 6.30. Then on Sunday, Salford versus Hull at 1. Wakefield versus Wigan at 3.15. Leeds v Saints at 6.30. Well, I was going to ask, actually, will the teams that have played this week have an advantage? They, they play each other, don't they? <laughs> so, so not. <laughs> Leeds versus Saints, that should be a, a decent game. Yeah, it should be. Um, you know, Leeds have been really good this year, probably surprising a, people, a few people how good they've been apart from that. Um, shocker in round one against Hull. So it should be quite the ding-dong battle. Catlands, of course, have played. Uh, they play Castleford on Saturday. Uh, well, will that, then I can use that question, will that give them an advantage? Oh, slightly, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that you've got to factor in is obviously the, the travel factor. I mean, it's not a technically a home game for, for Cass, but um, leads to Castleford. Is quite a short journey compared with um, Leeds to Perpignan, so uh, they, they're going to be obviously flying. Well, I'm not sure whether they're staying and then flying back or what, but but either way, um, you know, it's it's a bit more onerous for the Dragons. But then saying that, you know, they they should have a point to prove after being pretty dismal yesterday. Mm. Nice for Leeds at least to return to home, having played away this weekend at Headingley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of the best. The best things about yesterday was how good the pitch looked. I mean, it was a sand pit. Um, looked like the Sahara in the first few rounds, and it looked absolutely uh, beautiful, like a bowling green yesterday. So the the long break has, has done the pitch at Headingley some good. Before we move on to the NRL, John, just another couple of bits flying around Super League. Uh, your favourite club, Toronto Wolfpack. First of all, a bit of controversy over the weekend, the, the news that Ricky Latelli owed... What is it, £40,000? A little more surprising, perhaps, news that potentially the backers of the New York bid could buy out Toronto Wolfpack. Certainly that's been mentioned there about them being in talks to do so. Ricky Willby, the CEO of New York, said that that was something of interest. Um, Willby, in a quote from TotalRL.com, said, Subject to completing our due diligence, it would certainly be an avenue we'll be exploring and increasing our interest in. It's something both ourselves and the Wolfpack would like to conclude quickly. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, 
the words due diligence in rugby league are um, something of a joke. Um, and, and obviously, you know, my understanding with New York is that they're going to have to cancel their games early next year, which was, you know, quite an ambitious venture anyway, um, to sort of have a touring team that's got no approval to join League One. Um, yeah, it's... I, I would remain sceptical um, based on experience, history and knowledge. Are we to presume that this is to relocate the team to New York, play as New York, rather than the New York bidders giving up on New York and... Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think if, if they did want to move it straight to New York, that would be, you know, quite disappointing because the fact that Toronto actually have a fan base. So it would be a bit of a sort of slap in the face for the good work the club has done in the area, which they have undoubtedly done some good work in, in building a brand and, and a fan base. Um, so, yeah, we'd, we'd have to, I guess, wait and see. Um, Ricky hasn't returned my call. So, um, yeah, uh, there is talk that there's another bidder as well. There's going to be a meeting on Monday um, with the Super League board. So, you know, I think I think that sort of you, you can look through the writing on the wall being David Argyle's tenure as owner is um, probably coming, well, definitely coming to an end. And if the club is to survive, it does need to be sold or, or you know, quite under new ownership. Using a Toronto link to go to the uh, NRL action, as we've been covering these past number of weeks, uh, Sonny Bill Williams has obviously landed now at Sydney Roosters. Uh, they had quite a close game, didn't they, this weekend against the Titans, 18-12, which was pretty unexpected. And, and I suppose, all right, the Roosters were under strength, but the Titans, giving the, the reigning back-to-back premiers a go, shows that they're going in the right direction. Yeah, they are. I think Justin Holbrook's getting getting things done there. Um, obviously, the, the big signing of David Fafui the next week, uh, sorry, last week um, for next year, you know, shows there's there's good signs coming out of that club for for 2021. Mm. Tom Hiscott on Twitter asks, do the Titans have a chance at the top eight next season with the signings of Fafita and Big Tino, or does Holbrook still need to sign a dominant halfback? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think. I'd probably say top eight next year might be a little bit out of reach, but it's not. I'm saying that I don't think it's impossible either. They do lack uh, probably a dominant playmaker um, or a dominant sort of fullback. They've got they're building a very very good forward pack, but um, I guess you know down to Ash Taylor probably to live up to his potential. Though I have liked um, what I've seen from Jamal Fogarty, who's been playing the Queensland Cup for many years. He's looked pretty good. So far, but um, you know it is a it is a big stretch, um, and I don't think there's really a, a dominant playmaker out there on the market at the moment. So it may take some time. But look, if they finished ninth or tenth or eleventh and went close to making the eight next year, that would be a big improvement. Um, you know, considering how how poor the club's been over the last few years. Mm. Interesting to see Sonny Bill linked to the Bulldogs for next season. Do you think there's any chance of that? No, I think there's no chance of that. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the um, they've got a new news major sponsor there who's very wealthy, um, and they want to splash the cash. But I think there's well, well, I think the Bulldogs fans would probably, or most Bulldogs fans would would welcome him back. There was a lot of bad blood, um, which uh, you know, living in Sydney at the time, his decision to defect and walk out on the club essentially just went to the airport and left. Um, did not go down well with the Bulldogs fans in 2008, which you can understand. Um, 
I think while some have forgiven, uh, they probably haven't forgotten. And obviously, he's got a very tight bond with the Roosters and with their owner, Nick Politis. So um, I think it was, I was listening to some radio programs over the weekend, and you could see him playing the rest of the season with, with the Roosters and then, you know, retiring and going to boxing because there's quite a few big money fights, um, probably not serious fights, as in if you're a boxing aficionado, but he could fight Paul Gallen and probably make a million dollars or, or $2 million as opposed to, you know, getting smashed on a rugby league field every week. So that's probably where he will end up if I had to put a bet on it. The Bulldogs are on the upturn, though. Um, despite another defeat this weekend, they really ran the Eels close. 18-16 in the end. The Eels had led 18-0 after half an hour with a Mitch Moses try and a Clint Gutherson double. And the Bulldogs fought back from there with Raymond Fatala Mariner's 33rd minute try, putting them on the board before half time. Jake Avarillo scored in the second half, and Marcello Montoya also crossed with the best part of an hour still to play. Uh, they just couldn't quite get over the line to get the win, but more encouragement for the Bulldogs, who had 54% possession in this one. The Eels, I suppose, an off day for them, completed at only 78%, and yeah, perhaps not their greatest performance, but the Bulldogs have shown some uh, improvement under Steve George Ellis. Yeah, they really have. They were they were down 18-0 and looked like they were, they were facing a hiding, and then I think they kept Parramatta scoreless for 50 or 60 minutes. It was, it was amazing. Um, I think Probably Aiden Tolman rude the decision not to have a shot at goal late in the game when they were two points behind. Took the tap instead. Um, but yeah, very, very good performance from the Bulldogs. And you have to wonder whether um, Steve Jarlis might be the right man to, to stay in the club. Obviously, Trent Barrett's coming in next year. But um, yeah, George Ellis is doing a great job and obviously got Greece uh, into the World Cup. So, you know, you can obviously... Obviously, coach. Uh, despite the 10th win of the season, Parramatta coach Brad Arthur said the atmosphere in the Eels dressing room at full time was like a morgue. I mean, he should have been at uh, Headingley for Huddersfield, shouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, they, they certainly were, were close to the fire. Um, probably a little bit lucky to, to come away with that win, but um, they did. And that's the, the main thing at the end of the day, um, I'm sure. Right after, he's a pretty hard taskmaster. Wouldn't have missed his words at, at full time, and expects more from his team. You know, not to not to put a point for you know after the the twenty second minute mark or so. Hmm. Also on Sunday, Melbourne Storm twenty six sixteen winners over Newcastle Knights. A victory for the Storm came at the cost of a shoulder injury to skipper Cameron Smith, who was hurt scoring a try in the twenty fourth minute, landing on the point of his shoulder. Storm say the problem is a low grade AC joint issue. And he's expected to miss two to three weeks, uh, which is a blow for the Storm, isn't it? But I guess when you've got someone like Brandon Smith to fill in at hooker, uh, you, you're pretty well equipped. Yeah, I mean, the, the cheese should uh, should slot him pretty well then. And, um, you know, big Tino was was pretty impressive. When you've got Nelson and, and Tino, you kind of got the, the twin towers of Babylon um, going at you. And, and Cameron Munster is in great form, so he really took the reins when Smith went off. Um, so yeah, Melbourne picking up a bit of momentum as they always basically do. Mm. Another sensational long range try from Ryan Pappenhausen for the Storm as well. We seem to be mentioning him on a weekly basis. Uh, elsewhere, Charlie Staines in his second game scoring another two tries, taking his count to six now in two appearances. Although he'll miss uh, the next four weeks with a grade two hamstring strain. Uh, those tries coming in the 42 12 win for Penrith over Manly, John. More troubles for your boys, Dylan Walker, 
in his first game back, fracturing his foot. He's going to miss another four to six weeks. Uh, Brad Parker suffering a concussion, Curtis Simonon, a knee injury. You're clinging on, really, aren't you, for a final spot? Yeah, I think the, I think the record six wins and six losses, so... It's been a very much a yo-yo season, and um, yeah, they'll be very disappointed defensively how they kind of wilted under the under the pressure. Considering you know they've on on some weeks against Canberra and other teams they've they've really battled well under adversity. Um, but just to go back a bit about Ryan Pappenhausen, I know he's one of your favourite players. I just wonder how long that will remain in a few years when he's playing for Australia and and killing England. <laughs> Yeah, I was in a good mood today. You just <laughs> there's just no need for sorry, it. Sorry, Paul. It's I bullying. Mean, reality and truth is is hard to accept at times, but you'll 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 be okay. I think the 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 fun thing is the the upside is that he won't get in the team obviously because James Tedesco is there. Unless of course you do your old trick of just playing five fullbacks along the back line, well, which, which you could I, do to be fair and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you know you you put Tedesco at fullback, you put Tommy Turbo in the centres, probably put Pappenhausen on the wing, and maybe Gutherson on the bench because he's playing pretty well too. And then I don't know, Callum Pogba could probably flit in somewhere. Who knows? Mm. Well, who needs all those? Because we've got John Bateman, and uh, so do the Canberra Raiders. He was uh, back in the Canberra team for a fourteen twelve win over the Cowboys. Nice to see him back in action, wasn't it? Yeah, he played well. Set up a try. Um, just gave him a bit more. Uh, a bit more grunt and a bit more power. Um, and that was a real, really close game. Cowboys were right in it. Um, but, but the Raiders just keep finding a, a way to win, even with all their um, their injuries that they're facing. So I think they've got Penrith this weekend coming. And that's a massive game. Penrith only lost the one game all year. And the Raiders, um, you know, trucking along very nicely, despite all their their missing personnel. So that should, um, that should be a massive game. Mm. Yeah, Bateman played the full 80, made 158 metres and 31 tackles. George Williams also on the try-scoring charts again. Uh, it's coming home. Uh, moving quickly on, before you pick me up on that, uh, Broncos... I think, I think John is coming home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Broncos 26, Sharks 36. Uh, Broncos collapsing from 26-18 up in the final 10 minutes to suffer their ninth defeat of the year. Was this worse than Huddersfield or not quite as bad? Well, it was Huddersfield-esque. Um, I, I didn't think they could concede three tries in nine minutes and lose that game. Um, I was watching it. It was pretty remarkable. But I guess Huddersfield conceding more tries in a similar period is worse and then losing a golden point. Um, but yeah, just had to be with the Broncos. I thought actually they they were you know the, the effort was really there and they moved players around. Darius Boyd back at fullback. Who knew who knew he could play fullback? Um, he was really good. And, and Tom Durden um, looked good in the in the halves. And I thought the forwards, uh, Carrigan and um, Haas and Angai Junior were really good. But yeah, again, just losing <laughs> losing another game one they they should have won. Um, I, you do have to kind of feel a bit sorry for them, but then again, it's just how Anthony Seabold manages to, to stay in the job. Um, I think they gave him that, what was it? He had to win five games five and the ten. next ten, yeah. and I think he's lost three in a row, hasn't he? So, yeah, that's going well. Hmm. Uh, the good news for the Broncos last week was that Herbie Farnworth has recommitted to the club to the end of 2022. Elsewhere, the Warriors, 26-20 winners over the Tigers. That's a 
big blow to the Tigers top eight chances Michael Maguire will not have been happy about that one a big blow um, also to the um, the plastic chairs in the changing room who, who took a good good whack from uh, good old Madge mm. uh, meanwhile uh, Wayne Bennett's Rabbitohs 32-24 winners over the Dragons and that's a vital win for them which moves them up to 8th on the ladder uh, above the Tigers in that fight for the top 8 spot Alex Johnston scoring a hat-trick for Souths um, huge result for them and that probably ends the Dragons thought well not maybe not quite ends but certainly severely dents their growing belief that they could get into the top eight. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing better, but I don't think they were ever going to make the top eight, to be honest. Um, Seas haven't been playing particularly well, but this was a, a good performance. Obviously, it was Indigenous round, um, and they're kind of, you know, based in Redfern, they're kind of the Indigenous club, and they've got some, you know, Aboriginal superstars, and they really turned it on. Uh, Luttrell was, was great. Johnston got a hat-trick, and, and Cody Walker, um, I think, got two tries as well. So... Um, yeah, very, very good performance from South, and they really needed it, I thought. Mm. So, yeah, as, as mentioned, that puts them into the top eight now. The Panthers are top on 21 points, followed by the Storm and the Eels on 20. Then come the Roosters and Raiders on 16, the Sharks on 14, Knights on 13, Rabbitohs and Manly on 12. The Tigers have 10, the Dragons and the Warriors have 8, uh, the Cowboys Titans, Broncos on six, the Bulldogs still bottom on four. Looking at the fixtures for round 13, Thursday is the Dragons versus the Roosters. Friday, Manly versus the Warriors, Rabbitohs versus the Broncos. Saturday, the Storm versus the Bulldogs, the Knights versus the Tigers, and the Panthers versus the Raiders. And on Sunday, Titans v Cowboys, Sharks v Eels. Plenty to talk about on next week's show, John. A full Super League programme as well. That'd be good for, for Super League to properly be back. Yes, it's a it's a smorgasbord of rugby league. Um, people are going to be sunken into their chairs and struggling to move. Can't wait. Uh, we'll see you all next week to digest that. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.